From 3 Uncanny 4, this is Viral, a show about COVID-19. I'm your host, TJ Raphael. And I'm reporter Emily Saul. As per the new norm, we're coming to you from our homes, not from a workspace. But we're lucky enough to be able to work from home. A lot of people out there aren't. That's right. The Economic Policy Institute finds that less than 30% of Americans can work from home. And as cities and towns move to lock down, well, pretty much everything, the economy is deeply struggling, and workers are seeing mass layoffs across industries. Today, we're going to explore one sector of the economy and how that's holding on. The restaurant industry. It's the country's second largest private employer, with 15.6 million workers. Congress is considering this massive stimulus bill, and we want to know, how is it going to help small businesses like restaurants and the workers who used to have jobs there? But first, let's get to those headlines. Emily? This episode was recorded on Tuesday, March 24th at 12.04 p.m. Eastern Time. Things have likely changed by the time you hear this. There are more than 46,500 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the U.S., and at least 592 people have died. Due to population density and higher testing rates, New York City has now been macabrely dubbed the nation's coronavirus capital. Globally, there are over 396,000 cases and a reported 17,252 deaths. For the first time since a world war, The Olympics have been postponed. Meanwhile, President Trump on Monday signaled he may push shuttered businesses to reopen against the advice of experts, tweeting, we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. Coming up, the restaurant industry is likely to lose $225 billion over the next three months. And job losses for this industry could reach $7 million. Just ahead, we'll talk to a restaurant owner and a server about how they're doing and what they need from the government. Next. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. There are a few things that Cleveland, Ohio is really good at, but the big ones are music, medicine, and food. There's this great restaurant called Lao Batro that's located at the middle of all three. The restaurant is a... um very romantic setting, lots of nice uh, unfinished brick floors, uh, romantic lighting, lovely fireplace as well. Benjamin Lee Yu came to Cleveland to study opera, and in 2016, he started working at La Batro to pay the bills. He worked his way up to server once he mastered the wine and cheese. Probably the single largest cheese board I've seen anywhere. At night, diners come to La Batro to eat duck confit and sautéed skate wing before the Cleveland Orchestra plays next door. And by day, a lot of doctors come for lunch meetings. The Cleveland Clinic is just around the corner. Normally, the doctor sounded confident, joyful, but he remembers this one group a few weeks ago that scared him. It was the first time he realized this virus could affect him. I had a party of about nine doctors. They were talking about how 
they felt they were ill-prepared. They didn't have enough equipment for what they perceived as coming down the pipeline. Then came this moment that really sums up where Ohio and the country were just two or three weeks ago. And I remember even they they kind of jokingly shook hands with each other because at that point it hadn't really, there were no cases in Ohio yet. And this one particular epidemiologist would say, well, for right now, it's, you know, totally fine. Um, But obviously we are several weeks later. Several weeks later, Ben, like the most of us, is trying to avoid human contact. And he's struggling to get Ohio's unemployment site to function. He had worked about 30 to 35 hours a week and earned no less than 20 bucks an hour, 30 bucks on a good night. So that means he's now out as much as a grand a week. It all changed so fast. The restaurant staff had already made the place as clean as possible. Disposable menus, no more walking around with the cheese board. So much washing that he has a raw patch on his hand. But reservations started evaporating. They were all just trying to keep the business and each other going. Sometimes I would come around a corner and, uh, you know, one staff mate or another would be in tears, concerned about their financial prospects for at that time, we thought maybe it would be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Then came March 15th, a Sunday. Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine, issued an order that would take effect at 9 p.m., just a few hours after the announcement. While at work, I heard from a coworker that this uh, government or uh, state mandate went through. And uh, regardless of whether or not we wanted to stay open or not, that the restaurant was effectively closing. It's very somber. But what, what can you say? Hang in there. Do what you can. We will try to help you if we can. Just we got to wait this out together. Zach Brule owns La Batro and six other Cleveland restaurants. He's a big part of the city's food renaissance. And he's been at this a long time, 45 years. He's been through 9-11. He opened the restaurant during the financial crisis. But last week, he had to lay off all of his restaurant's hourly staff. Out of 400 or so employees, only 31 still have work. I believe it's more like a hybrid an open-ended hybrid like 9-11 and between 9-11 and 2008 because there's a emotional impact and there's a financial impact. This is how bad the financial impact is. On a Saturday night, Lal Batro could see as many as 500 customers. It would do twenty dollars to $25,000 of business in a single weekend night. Now, operating just as a takeout business, the restaurant's revenue is literally decimated. It might make 2500 bucks in a night. Usually, business 101, high risk, high returns. Well, the restaurant business, there's nothing riskier than that. Okay, but the way the industry works, it's high risk, low return. So if... If you're make netting out 10% or less, which means you have to do volume to make money. And now, that's, there's no volume now. And remember, Zach's businesses are successful. They're well-run. They don't have debt, unlike a lot of restaurants. 
Still, Zach thinks he can only hold on for another couple months in this current state. He's cut all his fixed costs. Hourly workers went before salaried staff because he says it's harder to rebuild a business if you lose your management. Those are the people working the takeout business to try to keep some cash flow going. We're sort of living day to day as a business, but I have every intention of reopening all of these businesses. So I don't want to lose my management team. He's talking to his landlords. He's a good tenant. And so far, they've been flexible. We talked to Zach on Monday as Congress again failed to pass a relief bill for workers and businesses. What does he want from lawmakers? And what's in the stimulus bill? Find out after the break. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared in Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so as we're recording this, Congress is still working out what will be in the final relief bill for people like Ben and Zach. But Zach knows there are two things he definitely wants to see in that bill. Number one, he wants a bailout for the landlords. He knows they're about to be hit hard on April 1st, both by businesses and their employees who will both have trouble paying their rents. And number two, he wants money to pay the people that were on his payroll. Not as a loan, but as a grant. In effect, he wants the government to pay his workers' salaries, at least for a little while. Now the government's saying that we can, they're going to provide loans. Well, a loan is more debt. And when you have debt and there's no cash flow, that makes things difficult. Democrats have been pushing for a mix of loans and grants, whereas Republicans have focused on loans. The hospitality industry is the largest industry in the United States. Now, they've had bailouts for all these other industries and corporations. It's time for this is serious stuff. And it's not it's a real industry. First bailout should be the staff. The staffs have to be taken care of. So that's what's happening for owners like Zach. But what's happening for out of work servers like Ben? He's lucky he lives in a cheaper city, but he still has to come up with money each month. Rent and other fixed costs total around $1,000 a month, and that's before he even buys groceries. So that's the number he needs to hit each month to stay whole and not quickly deplete his savings. And Ben will get something from Ohio's unemployment system, and that's because he's worked at the restaurant for more than five months. But he'll likely only get 50% of his weekly wages, and for just half a year at that. So what does Ben, the server, want from the federal government right now? Well, more cash. So that you could cover your basic costs, especially if this is something that will continue on for the indefinite future, certainly going on months. The issue is how many months? There is some talk in Congress about tacking on an additional $600 a week in unemployment insurance, but only through June. 
Congress also wants to send a single check to people like Ben for up to $1,500. That all might help in the short term, but experts like James Parrott say this could be a long haul. You know, the federal government should be prepared to extend benefits uh, for up to a year or more if needed. And so so that would be, that's like the single most important thing to do for the average restaurant worker. Parrott is the director of economic and fiscal policies at the New Schools Center for New York City Affairs. Ben's lucky he worked inside the restaurant. People who deliver food for restaurants through apps like Uber Eats or Seamless or DoorDash are considered gig workers, contractors. So Parrott says they don't get unemployment, and they probably won't get much from the relief bill either. These drivers have no recourse to unemployment uh, insurance. So that that's, that's separate from the restaurant sector, but that really needs to be uh, addressed. But to the extent that there are independent contractors uh, working for restaurants, they would not have access to benefits and, and certainly need that access. Ben and Zach are in a better position than most. Zach's restaurants don't have any debt, and he'd like to keep it that way. And Ben has some savings. But he has one of those health plans with a very high deductible, $7,500. More than his savings, he says. So if he actually gets sick, he worries about paying for care. Ben says other laid-off servers are in worse shape. On the last day of work, you know, uh, servers and and, and other staff members were joking about needing to start... uh, cam girling to pay the bills, you know, both jokingly and and uh, to some extent seriously as well. People are, are, are rather despondent. I know some people, some have, have saved up money, others have moved home. Uh, I know some people trying to look for jobs elsewhere. On that last night at the restaurant, Ben says things were bizarre. Everyone having to politely ask those those guests who were not entirely done with their their meals to you know that as much as we would love to keep keep them in house as a guest that you know it was very strange to to have to say the words you know there's a gov- you know state mandate and unfortunately all the guests are required to be out of the building by nine o'clock and that time is now. <laughs> uh, just just surreal. Just absolutely surreal is the best way to describe it. And for the adrenaline junkies in the kitchen, the hosts and servers like Ben, the busboys, and even the owners like Zach, all they can do now is wait at home. Wait for the government to act on some kind of relief and wait for some time in the future. Days, weeks, months most likely when things can get back to some kind of normal. You want a quote? There you go. My future has been put on hold, and I'm not used to that. Viral Coronavirus is a Three Uncanny Four production. The show is hosted by me, TJ Raphael, with reporter Emily Saul. This episode was produced by Dan Bobkoff, Rahima Nasa, and me. Our team includes Lena Richards, Shane McKeon, Adam Davidson, Laura Mayer, and Jack Panyard. You can email us your questions or comments to viral at 3uncanny4.com. And that's with the number spelt out. That's viral at 3uncanny4.com. We'll be back in your feed later this week. 
In the meantime, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. It helps listeners like you find us.